you coming off that sugar buzz, eating all that extra candy you had left over on Halloween? <laughs> yeah, you got, you had a lot left, right? Because nobody came around to your door. So we set up a special place where we can collect that candy and it will go to a good cause. Uh, so let me know, I will give you my address and you can drop it off there anytime. Uh, if you're new here, really want to welcome you. It's glad to have you. And well, if you're watching online, we'd love to meet you in person really soon as well. Uh, we think this is going to be an important series for a lot of families. We think it's needed because I think everybody wants to uh, do right by their kids. They want to give their kids something better than they had themselves. You want to leave them in a good spot. Um, nobody brings their child into the world and says, well, I think I'm going to mess up this child's life. You know, you want to, you want to do as, as good by them as you can. But that has to be something that's intentional. We believe that everybody wants that for their kids. That's why we're trying to help you with that. We're doing this next-gen survival course about anxiety and worry and bring your family together, go serve, go feed, do something together. Uh, Because otherwise it's not going to happen if we just think it's somehow going to happen on its own. It won't. We have to work hard at it. And some of you do that because you want to be able to provide for your kids the things that you never had. You didn't get that growing up. Or maybe you're trying to reproduce what you had growing up, right? Some of you didn't really have anybody that poured into your life as a kid, nobody that invested in you. Some have more opportunities than others. Some are wealthier than others, healthier than others. Whatever, we all want the same thing for our kids. We want to get to the end of our lives and leave people better off because they have known us, because... They're better because of of having had us in their lives, whether it's our our kids, grandkids, friends, anybody. And and some of us are working really hard at it, and yet it just doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, We we don't seem to be getting the kind of payoff. We have all these good intentions, but it ain't working. And if you're a believer, you know that this has another component to it because you understand there's more to life than just this life. Uh, that you don't want to just leave uh, your kids better off for this life. You, want, you know there's an afterlife. And you want to be in the same afterlife with them. You want to make sure that they arrive there too. But it's got to be intentional. So whatever we leave our kids behind, that's, that's what our legacy is. Talk about leaving a legacy that lasts. Uh, what does that look like? Well... You know, if you, one definition of legacy is the money and possessions you leave behind in your will. And that's nice. That can be helpful. We want to do that for our kids. But actually, that's not necessarily going to leave them better off. In fact, in some ways, it might leave them worse off. You know what money and possessions do to people. It's certainly not going to make them more caring, loving individuals. It's not going to give them any real peace. It's not going to protect them from harm. It's not going to ensure that my kids are going to be able to teach their children any better. So we've got all this responsibility on us. What, what can I really leave my kids, my future generations? Well, when, when Penny and I had our firstborn child, very exciting, of course, but we begin to feel that weight on our shoulders, right? That burden. It's like, okay, we're responsible for this kid's life and really for their entire you know, afterlife. I mean, that falls on us and we begin to think, do we really know what we're doing? Because it's like one thing to mess up your own life. You don't want to mess up your kid's life. And so uh, maybe you've felt that before. You've been there. Maybe you you saw your own parents or a single parent go through all the struggles of of trying to provide a, a good life for you, you know, paying the bills. They're so busy. They're, they're stressed out. They're frustrated. 
Or maybe you didn't realize everything your parent was going through, that you saw they were like your hero. They looked like they knew what they were doing. They had it all together. And it was only later when you grew up and began having your own kids, realizing, oh man, <laughs> never realized how much my parents had to go through, what, what I never saw behind the scenes of, of what they had to struggle with. So here, Penny and I, we're in our 20s. We're having our first son. He's now one year old, and we decide to move here to start a church, to move away from all of our family and friends, to come here and be completely on our own, to set up this new house and to start this ministry. And it was like sink or swim. And it was, it was exciting, but it was also tough. In fact, it took us seven years to forget how tough it was because that's when we had our second child, seven years later. And we, why, why did we do that? Why, we, we had forgotten how tough it was. But you've been there. You felt overwhelmed before. Good news is, uh, it's not permanent. Uh, maybe, not, maybe that's not completely good news. It, what you're going through is, is only temporary. It's just a phase. Watch. by pretty quickly, doesn't it? So, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, what a reminder, really, everything is so temporary. And man, I'm, again, I have two sons, so that's tough enough to watch. If you have daughters, man. <laughs> I mean, and then in the coming weeks, we're going to show more and more of that. It's like, you're, you're going to be a mess. So uh, I always say, man, if you have daughters, it's like, well, you're, you're, you're like real parents, because that's tough. <laughs> that... But it goes by really quick. And so here I have with me 
uh, a bunch of candy. This is not the leftover Halloween candy from my house. This is, these are fireballs. So, man, that's, that's good. That's like, that's like a cinnamon high right there. That's good stuff. But uh, there's 936 of these fireballs in here. Why? Because each fireball represents one week of life. You only have 936 weeks with your child from birth until graduation, and it goes by quick. What are you going to do with each of those weeks? Because they're going to be gone before you know it. 936. It may sound like a lot, but it's really not. I mean, what are you building into your child during those weeks? Tallest building in the world is what? The, the Burj Khalifa in the Middle East in Dubai? How long did it take to build that? Only 260 weeks. The Colosseum in Rome, one of the great engineering marvels of the world, took only 10 years. It takes 18 years to build a high school graduate. Sounds like a lot, but it goes by so fast. What are you building into them? Because before you know it, those weeks will all be gone. And you don't want to look back with regrets. Maybe you'll appreciate the tale of the, the stonemasons. During medieval times, they're working on a construction project, and one guy is walking by and notices one of them, and he says, what are you doing? And that man said, well, I'm laying bricks. Keeps walking along, sees another one, and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm building a wall. Walks even further along and sees a third stonemason. What are you doing? And he said, well, I'm building a great cathedral. Now, they were all doing the same job, but they had a very different perspective on what they were doing. And I think you'd get the same kinds of perspectives if you talk to different parents. What are you doing? One might say, well, I'm supporting my family. But another may say, I'm raising a child. I'm shaping a life. I'm investing in a soul. I'm impacting the next generation. What's your perspective on what you're doing with those 936 weeks? That's 25% of your life if you're a typical American. And it's going to go by really quick. And before you know it, you find out you might have been building the wrong thing or you might have been building in the wrong direction. You've seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? In Italy, it's it, a uh, beautiful, grand design, but it was flawed from the very beginning because they had built it on a weak foundation. And so after just five years, they had to stop construction because it had, it had begun to sink and tilt. And they didn't wait seven years to finish the project to forget how tough it was. A hundred years. A hundred years later, they came back and began building on it again. And on those upper floors, they had to make them differently. They had to compensate by making the, the upper floors larger uh, so that it appears curved. And the reason it appears curved is because it is. They had to make up for the mistakes they had made. And that can happen in your family. You could be building on a weak foundation. And you may not realize it until it's too late, until you look back later with all these regrets. And what can you do? You've got these grand designs. You've got these great intentions. But you've built on a weak foundation. And then you begin to notice the cracks. And, and your family starts to sink starts to fall apart. And so you decide, I'm going to have to make some major course corrections. I'm going to have to drastically change things. Or maybe you just decide to quit altogether. This month, we want you to be able to win 
at life, at building a family, at building a legacy that's made out of something stronger, that's like a mountain of stone, that stands the tests of storms, that stands the test of time, that's not going to budge in those future generations because you want to leave them better off. And so I want to challenge you, invite you, urge you to come back for these three weeks and to make it a priority and to bring your family with you because you've got a lot of decisions you've got to make along the way, and it begins from the time they're born. You know, it's like, okay, are we going to bottle feed or breastfeed? Is it going to be cloth or is it going to be disposable? Um, how long are we going to let them sleep in our room before we put them in their own room? Uh, what, what kind of rules are we going to have? And all of these decisions come along every day. It's like a new problem that needs a new answer. And what do we do? Do we know what we're even doing? Well, what do we, we fall back on our default, which is what? The way we were raised. We look back at what our parents did, and we decide to either do what they did or to go the opposite direction, right? Isn't that true? You find yourself, you're either doing what your parents did or you're doing completely opposite. But the thing is, none of us really realize how much of an impact and influence our parents had on us. The people who raised us, we begin to mimic them in ways we don't even understand or realize, for better or for worse. So... How we make decisions starts with this big idea. To start with the end. To start with the end and then to give them a bigger story. Our lives tell a story. We want to give them one that's bigger than, that's better than us. Because in 936 weeks, this little baby is going to leave home. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> you never know. They may, they may be around longer than that. I mean, between... Whether it's one son or both sons, between them both, we've had kids in our house now for almost 30 years. I mean, we don't even know what it's like to be alone anymore. Um, but the fact is, at some point, they're going to leave your home, your influence. And what will they take with them? What will their story be? How will they answer those questions from their friends, their dates, their bosses, from their own minds and anxieties? How do you build that into them? Well, you got to start with the end. Just like going on vacation with the family. Y'all got to figure out where are we going to go? Because everything else flows from that decision. Where are we going to end up? And then you begin to carve out uh, time from your schedule. You begin to you know, route your, your map. Uh, you, you save up money to make sure that you enjoy your time. A lot of planning goes into it, but you start with the end. 936 weeks until graduation. But graduation is not the end. That's not the destination. That's just the amount of time you have. Where are they actually going to end up? And if you don't know, then you need to ask some questions like, what do you repeat? Because what you repeat gets remembered. Isn't that true? Words really matter. And so you've got all these family phrases and mottos that get passed down. What do you celebrate? Well, of course, you, you celebrate birthdays and holidays and maybe uh, sports accomplishments and report cards and graduations. And that's all good. But... How about celebrating things like honesty, purity, celebrating faith and love? I mean, that's why each week around here we talk about how many people got baptized because we're celebrating that. That's important because what you celebrate becomes a priority. You might ask, what do you spend your money on? 
How do you tell what's really important to you? You look at your bank account. Where does your money go? Is it going just for sports and extracurricular activities? Or is it being spent on just your kids? Or are you investing in your marriage too? I mean, you're going to see where your priorities are if you look at your bank account and at your calendar. Because then you want to ask, where do we spend our time? Your calendar tells a story. And if you're, you look at it and you say, okay, well, we're, we're really never spending time together. We never eat together. We're always busy or we're always at the ballpark. We're always on the screen. We're watching TV or, or checking social media or YouTube or gaming. Dad's always working or mom's always working. All right, so if what you celebrate and repeat and spend money and time on tell a story, what's the story? Is there a bigger story? Is there something better? If they're pointing to the next generation, to a destination, is it pointing in the right direction? Are you giving them a legacy that's going to last? Or do you just pick up that cultural measuring stick, that yardstick, to, to try and gauge what, what you think you ought to be directing them toward? Because you, you look online, you look at social media, and you see all these families having extravagant vacations and wearing fine clothes and driving nice cars, and you think, well, that's the measure of success. Or you put all the emphasis on getting good grades, getting good grades, getting into college, or on sports trophies and, and uh, scholarships and accomplishments, all those kinds of things. Or maybe you listen to the advertisers telling you about what makes for a happy family. If you buy this, if you go there, if you do that, and you really don't know where they're going to end up. And there you are feeling overwhelmed again because you don't have a real destination. You're just chasing what everybody else is chasing. There's a better destination to be aiming for. And you say, where? How do I know? Well, I think the fog begins to lift when you mentally fast forward to the end. Where do you want them to end up? What will the final chapter of my children's life be? You might ask the question, who do I really want them to become? You think forward, what, what, do, I, what do I want said at, at their funeral one day? I mean, nobody wants to think about that. But what kind of person? We'd say, well, I want my child to be, I want them to be loving, I want them to be I want them to be confident, I want them to be strong, I want them to be successful, I want them to be happy, all good things. But if you don't have a crystal clear destination, you're not going to be confident in your parenting. Because here's what I want to suggest to you. It's what I found, and I think so many other parents have found, that there's really only one place, one person, one superhero that will get them to where they need to go, and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's nothing more important to me. There's nothing I'm more concerned about than that my children would know, love, and serve the Lord. I mean, nothing even comes close to that. And I know some of you are kind of checking out right now because you're saying, oh, okay, yeah, Jesus, you know, you're here at church. Oh, yeah, they got to say Jesus because we're at church. Yeah, he's going to make my family great. Jesus is the answer to everything. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that exactly because Jesus never guaranteed that your family's going to turn out the way you hope. Because those little buggers got that thing called free will, and they're going to do stuff that, you know, you never intended for them to do. You didn't teach them to do. They're not going to always turn out the way you expect. But what I am saying is they cannot possibly get to the right destination unless they know the way. And the way is Jesus. He's going to get them to where they ultimately need to go. And they're going to make some messes along the way. They're going to hit some bumps and potholes in the road along the way. But he is the master. He is the model 
And he can give them something I can't. I can't be the hero for them that I should be because I'm messed up too. I make mistakes too. I, I, sometimes I have a bad attitude and I say the wrong things and I'm not loving like I should be. So I can't be that for them. That's why I need to point them to somebody who is. And maybe that's why you're here is you realize you can't be all that for your kids. You can't be the perfect role model, superhero for your kids to look up to because you're messed up too. You've got all kinds of flaws and mistakes in your past, and you're going to make even more. And maybe that's why you realize you need God to be the one who can direct them in the right way. So I want you to listen to some of the last words Jesus gives to his disciples just hours before he's about to be crucified. In John chapters 13 to 17, he gives them all these kinds of words of encouragement and comfort and warning. And then he says this in chapter 16, verse 33. Everyone together, say it out loud with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Listen, folks, that is so powerful to say, listen, kids, I know you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to do things that you will be ashamed of and things you may think you can never come back from. But that's not the end of the story. That doesn't mean your story is destroyed. And that's why I think so many young people get so distraught, so, so down, so hopeless is because all they can see is the here and now. They don't see the bigger story of where this can take them, that this is not the end of the story. And so they can take heart. I can take heart knowing God's got so much more for me ahead through all the questions I have, through all the doubts, through all the depression I might be going through, when, when the, the people at college are pressuring me to try this and do that, I can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world, and I can too. What an awesome thing to be able to, be able to give your kids this idea that God loves you. God values you. You matter to God. You are worthy to God. Help them to see themselves through God's eyes instead of the eyes of everybody else around them. To give them the kind of confidence that they can make good decisions based on better values. That they can be different from the world. They can think differently and they can act differently. They don't have to give in and be like everybody else around them. God's got something better for them. And that's true for your family too. What if when, you're, when you and your spouse are fighting or it looks like your family is falling apart, you could take heart. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. And that means we can overcome. That we can have victory. This isn't the end of the story. He also told him in that same passage, John 15, I've told you this so that my what? My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wouldn't you love to be able to give your kids joy? I mean, we try to prepare them for things. We, we prepare them for tests and interviews and tryouts. But what happens when they don't make it? What happens when they don't get that boyfriend or that girlfriend that they, they want so badly? What happens when their, their snap feed and their Insta stories aren't like all of their friends? And what, what, if, what if they're telling themselves, you know, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, or they're listening to other people say that? How in the world can a mom or a dad give their kids joy in the midst of all that? You can't. You can't. But Jesus can. In fact, he also gives them truth. He goes on in John 16 to say, Very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. I can't always be with you. Isn't that true with your kids? I can't always be with you all the time. But unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one who is for you, 
who will be with you all the time. He won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. I can't be with you, but he can. When he comes, he's going to guide you into all the truth. Wouldn't you love to be able to have, give your kids the truth all the time to make good decisions? When their buddies are pressuring them to go to the bar instead of hanging out with their family and, and that boy is, is asking her to, to have sex to prove that she loves him and, and, and pressuring her, girls are pressuring to, her to gossip about all the other girls to make these major decisions. How do they do that when they don't really know what to do? Wouldn't you love to be able to give them the truth in every situation? You can't, but Jesus can. What about hope? He goes on in John 14, says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, what? I'm going to come back. I'll take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. So he leaves them this peace. He leaves them joy. But maybe best of all is he leaves them hope. And why this generation may be so hopeless is they've got nothing better to look forward to. All they can see is what's going on here and now. And don't understand, you've got a God who loves you. Uh, Jesus says, well, I'm, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to take you to be with me you're, in those darkest moments. There's not going to be anybody else in the world who can give you that kind of hope. People, your parents, your friends, they can give you comfort. They can give you encouragement. They can give you their time, but they can't give you hope. Because they're not in the future. They haven't seen it. They don't know what's coming. Jesus does. He can give you that eternal future. Because he's preparing a place for you. Listen, we know as parents, we're not going to be able to fix everything in our kids' lives. I mean, it feels good when we get to be their hero and protect them from that bully down the street or help them deal with those mean girls at school. But we know we can't always be with them all the time. But Jesus can. His spirit can. When they're out on their own, what, isn't that the goal that they're going to be able to, to function without you around? Who, who's going to be the hero then? Who's going to give them the confidence and the peace and the strength when you're not there? See, Jesus was giving that to his disciples when they didn't even know they needed it, right? It's kind of like when you're telling your kids, now listen, you better listen to this because this is like a major life lesson. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. They don't even understand yet how much they need what you're about to say. Same thing with the disciples. It's like, we don't, Jesus is here right now. We don't need to pay attention to this other stuff. Oh, but they don't realize that in a few hours, Jesus is going to leave them and they're going to be on their own. What then? Jesus left them a legacy that's now been going on for 2,000 years, and we're still a generation that's experiencing the impact of that legacy. Listen, I don't offer something I don't think I can offer. I can't give you something I don't have. Maybe that's why we do get stuck on, on uh, grades and uh, trophies and uh, scholarships and things like that, because that's something we can help them with. That's something we can do something about, but peace... Joy, hope, I can't give them that. I, I can't fix those. I can't make people stop being mean to them. I can't give my, my child peace when that girlfriend cheats on them or, or dumps them. I can't give my son perseverance if he, if he flunks or if he fails or if he gets fired. I can't. 
but Jesus can. I don't offer what I can't give. They need somebody better than me, somebody bigger than me. Isn't that what, what, don't you want that for your kids, your grandkids, future generations, to have a bigger story than you did? Instead of trying to always give them everything you think they need, to give them what they really need, to give them a future. Instead of using the world's measuring stick and the world's maps, we turn to God. How? Well, again, we've got to figure out the right destination. We're not going to fight over all the other stuff, right, until we figure out where we're going. I want to go someplace uh, with beaches. I want to go someplace with mountains. I want to go, go on a plane. I want to go in a car. I want to go first class. I want to go coach. All that's fighting about the wrong things. Let's settle on a destination. Then we'll figure out the details. Because you can win the fight and lose, right? Have you ever done that? You won an argument with your spouse, but you lost their respect. Or you won an argument with your kids, but you lost their trust. Next week, we're going to talk about how to fight the right fights, and I want you to be back for that because we want to help you to build a plan to build a legacy, a legacy that lasts. When I was a kid, I really loved Mad Libs. You ever do Mad Libs, those little foot booklets with stories with all the blanks, and you go around the room, and you say, give me a name, give me a number, give me a color, give me an adjective, you know, and you're filling in, give me an adverb, and nobody knew what that was, so you just put in something, and it's hilarious, right? Because it... It was hilarious to me as, as a boy because that meant I got to fill in all these gross bodily function words, right? I mean, that's what makes it funny. Right, guys? And let's just own it. We, we never outgrow that. It's still hilarious today to put those words in the story, right? Nothing better than bathroom humor. But what makes it funnier is the fact that all these words don't match the story at all. It's all just made up random nonsense. Why? Because the people filling in the blanks have never seen the story. And I think that's what's going on in a lot of our homes is we're trying to fill in blanks to a story we don't, we've never seen. We don't understand where it's going. We don't understand the point. We're just making it up as we go along. We want to give them a better story. So I want to give you an exercise to do as you maybe begin or you have to course correct some things to leave the legacy that you want to leave. This week I want you to go through those questions we just went through on the screen. What do you repeat? What do you celebrate? What do you spend your money on? Where do you spend your time? And who do I really want them to become? And who is strong enough and big enough to save my kids and future generations? So we want you to do that as, as homework this week, to go through that list of questions. So what we're going to do now is put on the screen a number that you can text. Go ahead and take out your phone, and you can text the word LEGACY to 890-5454, okay? Text legacy to that number. For some of you, depending on your carrier, it may take longer. There's a little bit of a delay with some. But take that home this week and go through it. If you're a married couple, go through it individually, independently first, and then come together and, and discuss your answers. Of course, you can go through this as a single parent. Really, if you're anybody that has any influence on the next generation, your grandparent, uncle, aunt, whatever, go through this. And uh, when you text that number, the link will send you all of those questions. Work on it this week, then come back next week. Because the question isn't, will I leave a legacy? I mean, everybody's going to leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? I think that's something we probably need to pray about. So let's do that. Father, we want to lift up the current generation, God. We need to get our stories aligned with your story, Father. We want to know where we're heading. 
If we've gotten off course, God, bring us back on track. God, get us past those potholes and those bumps along the way. We're thankful that we can have that peace and joy and hope and truth. But God, we want to be able to pass that on to this next generation, God, that we'll give them a better story, a bigger story. God, we know that we're just, we're just going through a phase right now. This, whole, this, this life on earth is just a temporary short phase we're passing through, and we want to use it well. We don't want to waste another week. We don't want to waste another moment, God. We want our lives to be aligned with your will. And we need your, your wisdom. We need your strength to do that. God, to impact future generations. Because we're praying that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you may know that my, my younger son is named after one of the disciples, Thomas. And Thomas had a question for the Lord that I think the other disciples probably had. And probably our kids and grandkids have. Jesus said, I'm going to be going to this place. I'm going to be leaving you. And Thomas asked, Lord, how can we know the way? And Jesus responds like this in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Jesus is not only the way, he is the destination. He's the way to life, to truth, to peace, to joy, to all of those wonderful things. But you know what? You can't pass those on to the next generation unless you have them yourself. You can't offer something that you don't have. Those promises are for you as well. And so how do you get it? How do you receive those things? It begins with recognizing I am messed up. I have flaws. I've made mistakes. I need a hero in my life who can save me, who can forgive me, who can give me a future. And you can know that you have that today if you'll put your trust in Jesus. If you'll repent of your sins, if you've never been baptized into Christ, take care of that today. Don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't necessarily have one more week. You don't know. Take care, of, take care of this right here and now. We've got towels and robes and everything you need to start this new life with Jesus Christ. I'm going to have some friends down here in the front. While we're singing this next song, you just walk down and talk to them, ask them questions about... Your next step, how do I follow Jesus? If you need prayer, if you're ready to be baptized, we'll take care of that right here, right now, all right? Don't wait another moment. Let's stand together and sing. And let's leave a legacy that's going to last.